0: the chaotic maelstrom that is the Holy Land crisis, what principles can we glean from Scripture to guide our thinking? Hi, I'm Rex Rogers, and this is episode number 117 of Discerning What is Best, a podcast applying unchanging biblical principles in a rapidly changing world and a Christian worldview to current issues in everyday life. The complexity of terrorism, violence, and war in the Holy Land calls for a thoughtful response. Partisan, ideological, or street protest slogans are not enough, and in fact, many of these are hateful, inflammatory, and clearly not something a Christian should think, say, or promote. The ethnic nature of the conflict, dating back to Abraham's sons Isaac and Ishmael, Jew and Arab or Palestinian, involves not only nationality, disputed territory, and historic grievances— but also religious or worldview differences, making this violent upheaval all the more complex. Understandably, we point to the October 7 Hamas barbaric attack on innocent, unsuspecting Israeli civilians, and arrive at a point of moral clarity. Yes, these needless deaths were perpetrated by evil incarnate, deserving of the harshest retribution and justice. But then with first the bombardment of urban areas in the Gaza Strip, and the subsequent advance of the Israeli Defense Force into Gaza with non-combatants inevitably killed and wounded, and the related humanitarian crises, what is right, just, and morally justifiable gets murkier. But as soon as you suggest any murkiness here, you'll likely hear from Israel proponents saying there is no murkiness. No moral equivalency between what Hamas did and what the IDF now is forced to do in self-defense and what Israel considers an existential fight and the real politic of justice. Now the war is personal. Many in the Arab world know someone who lives in Gaza, know people who have been killed, and again believe the West, specifically the U.S., is backing Israel to the point of perpetuating the Palestinians and Arabs as second-class citizens. While it may be difficult to grasp why the U.S. is at fault here, still, this is how many in Arab countries feel and how they are parsing what's happening. Our best, most trusted, accurate and powerful source of moral understanding is the Scripture, the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Consider these principles that speak not only into our understanding of the Holy Land crisis, but of any and all trials we confront in this life. Number one, God is sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. So he's never surprised, never uninvolved in earthly affairs. This doctrine is the basis of both accountability and hope. Number two, God is creator. And he loves all human beings made in his image, including every demographic. That's Jews, Arabs, Palestinians, Iranians, Russians, Chinese, even Hamas and Hezbollah. This doctrine means that no human being is unworthy, expendable, of no consequence, but a person of eternal value. This is the basis of our understanding of human reason, moral agency and freedom number 3 in the christian church universal what scripture calls the body of christ the scripture says there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male and female for you are all one in christ jesus this doctrine clearly states that no one is beyond the care or reach of the holy spirit and that heaven will indeed be the most diverse place we've ever been number 4 We live in a fallen, i.e. sinful, evil world, so wrong, wicked, depraved things happen. Unlike humanly devised philosophies and religions that have no ability to define sin and thus no way to respond to evil, biblical Christianity tells us the origin of sin and therefore the source of wrongdoing, not our environment, biology, or upbringing, but in our own hearts. This doctrine allows us to understand the need for law, criminal justice, and also grace. Number five, one purpose of government is the legitimate use, that's police and military, as required of coercive force as agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Thus, to preserve order, restrain evil, create security, and allow human flourishing. Because sin exists, humanity needs protection and a way to achieve justice, including, if necessary, the right use of violence. In other words, sometimes the only way to preserve peace is through violence. Number six, Israel is a nation state, which is not the same as the Jewish people, and Palestinians are not the same as Hamas. Christians too readily jump from the pages of the Old Testament into current affairs, saying, Thus saith the Lord. While it is true that Jews are God's chosen people, and it is true that God will work through Israel into and in the end times, in the meantime, it behooves us to remember that no nation's leaders, including in the U.S., are always right and moral. And no nation, including the U.S., is always right and moral. Number seven, one can critique Israel's response without being anti-Semitic or ignoring the nation's legitimate defense of its people and plans to hold Hamas accountable. And one can care about Palestinian lives without supporting Hamas or ignoring their heinous actions, and one can desire Hamas faces retribution without being a warmonger. Now, nations are political actors, and what they do can and should be critiqued evaluating Israel's policies is not ipso facto anti-Jew or anti-Semitic, but rather a political calculus regarding decisions enacted. Similarly, a people group like the Palestinians can be critiqued for electing, and among them many supporting Hamas. And at the same time, it can accurately be said that most Palestinians are victims of the dictatorial hate group that seized control of the people and the territory. Number eight, Calls for genocide of Palestinians or Israelis, coming from the left and the right, even shockingly from Christians, and sadly from many American university students, are not morally justifiable. There's nothing in Scripture that endorses ethnic cleansing or genocidal mania. Yes, in the Old Testament, God called upon the Israelites to destroy different people groups. But one, He is God, and we are not. And two, this was a matter of idolatry, not hate. And three, God at various times stopped this kind of thinking, for example, Jonah's desire for Nineveh to be destroyed, when God wanted to call them to himself. Number nine, God is not the author of evil, but he will even use the evil of men to bring people to Christ. Even in the darkest times, hope and compassion can prevail. Looking back at the suffering that ISIS brought to millions and that the Islamic government of Iran has brought to its own people, we see that the Lord has used it to open the eyes of millions and to become open to the message of the gospel. Number 10. It's possible to work for justice and peace at the same time. Pursuing a just peace, which has varied definitions, but is not peace at any cost. This is practical. So often we seem to think in either-or terms. Justice, rightly understood, is not contradictory to what God determines is peace. The problem with much current discussion is the belief that justice equals peace. Yet even protesters shout, no justice, no peace. Peace that is not built upon a moral foundation defined by God is simply a temporary cessation of violence, not genuine just peace. The Psalms in the entire Bible, though well aware of the human capacity for evil, also proclaim that evil will not have the last word. Out of the depths of pain and sorrow, the believer's heart cries out, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Well, we'll see you again soon. This podcast is about discerning what is best. If you find this thought-provoking and helpful, follow us on your favorite podcast platform, Download an episode for your friends. And for more Christian commentary, check my website, R-E-X-M, as in Martin, that's rexandrogers.com. And remember, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm.